Praise the Lord. Good morning, everybody. It's wonderful to be in the house of God again today. It's wonderful to see all of you and getting back into the rhythm of meeting, uh, meeting together. Uh, God is good. And today we're going to leave different from the way that we came in in Jesus' name. And I feel the Lord has given us a word for today. I think all of us are aware of the, the situation we are in right now as a, as a nation. And it presents obviously a lot of challenges um, in, in many ways. But um, we've been praying and uh, we continue to pray. And we believe that the, the, the Lord broods over the chaos. Amen. From the book of Genesis, we see that there was darkness, emptiness, and voidness. But wherever there was darkness, emptiness, and voidness, the Spirit of God was hovering over that. And uh, um, so we believe that there is a, a battle, but it's not flesh and blood behind the flesh and blood battle that we see. Amen? Scripture tells us that our, our struggle or our warfare or our fight is not against flesh and blood. And that's our assignment as the church. Because when we get victory over that which is not flesh and blood, we get a real victory. Uh, true justice and righteousness and, and, and true peace, it does not exist in, 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 in the, no government, uh, no person on this, uh, this world or this earth can fabricate a, a victory on that level. It only comes from God. It is birthed by the Spirit of God. All right. So uh, when we pray, we are not praying for this side to get victory over that side or that side to get victory over that side. We are praying that God's victory would be the victory that marks everything else. Hallelujah. Amen. God does not get come down to earthly levels. That's why, you know, uh, uh, they were so surprised to see the Holy Spirit falling on the Gentile believers in the book of Acts because that was that side. But God sees differently. Maybe you're fighting for this side. God has a way of touching people by the Spirit on that side or this side. He plays on a different level. And true victory comes from Him. And so that's what we pray for. Amen? Just, just to be clear. That's our job as the church and the Lord will help us. Um, I want to get into the Word today. And we <clears throat> have been working through this. Sile opened a can of worms, worms for us a few weeks ago. And uh, I want us to stay in that neighborhood. Um, last week, if you were, you were here, uh, we, I talked about this message, uh, Watch, um, titled Watch. And it comes from Mark chapter 13 and verse number 37. And uh, just this, this last verse of the chapter, I want us to read it together and then we'll build our material for today mark chapter 13 and verse 37 jesus speaking he says what he says what i say to you i say to everyone watch everybody say watch if you were here last week uh, you remember we talked about what this word watch means and in the greek the word is actually it means not to be asleep or to be awake and we talked about how this world in which we live is as a dream to the world of the spirit, which is a, a true world and the eternal world because it, it is creator, not created. This world is created, therefore it is subject to the world of the spirit. All right. When we live in this world, we are in the world, but not of the world. 
Amen. We belong to that kingdom. And we tie into that kingdom or we participate in that kingdom, in that, in that, in that spirit realm. We talked about this last week uh, through the promises of God and through the word of God. Particularly through the words that Jesus is speaking to us. John chapter 6 verse 63, Jesus speaking, he said, The spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words that I have given you, they are spirit and they are life. Jesus speaking. The words that I have given you, they are spirit and they are life. So we cannot enter that world without his word. We cannot dabble into the things of the spirit without his word. And we need a word from the Lord. Somebody say amen. But I just wanted to clarify this week. And I think it's important that we do that. Uh, when we say these things, uh, uh, and granted it is a unique time. Uh, it is approaching the return of Christ more so than at any other time. And we, all, we are all eagerly anticipating that. But at the same time, I want to caution us against a spirit of escapism. Meaning that we cannot wait to get out of here. We're looking out the window just to make sure that because the first appearing we are, we are gone. Hallelujah. There's even songs about that, you know, how we're going to leave this world of pain and suffering and whatever, whatever. Okay, even Bamaringa, you know, Maranatha, come Lord quickly because I need to get out of here. I, I, I think when I talk about being awake and even what Jesus talks about watching and being awake, I don't think he's talking about being ready to leave. Because God knows where he planted us, when he planted us and why he planted us, planted us in the earth at this time in this situation. Maybe COVID has taken us by surprise, but it did not take God by surprise. And he said, I'm going to take you and plant you right in the middle of COVID season, right at the last day so that not, you can, not so that you can escape, but that you can fulfill the purpose I have for you while you're here. David served God's purpose in his generation, and then he fell asleep. Amen? So while we are eagerly anticipating his coming. We also finish our assignment in this generation. It's not get me out of here. It's thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. We finish that assignment. So I believe when we talk about being awake, it's not about necessarily leaving, but it's actually more about uh, being awake to who we really are. Being awake to who God made us to be and how God created us uh, uh, in, in, this, in this time and season. And I want to talk about that uh, a, a little bit. Amen? Are we okay? He knows what he's doing. He's not shocked. He's not surprised. We're going to be awake today to who, to who we are. I'd like us to look at John's gospel. I, I refer to this quite a bit, but it's a good verse. And it's uh, uh, important for... For the teaching today, John chapter 1 and verse number 11 and 12. Speaking of Jesus, it says, He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. Hallelujah. So if we believe in Jesus, we have been born of God. 
We're not born of flesh and blood anymore. And we have become children of God. Let me tell you what that means. In John chapter uh, chapter 8. Uh, John chapter 8 and verse number 35. John 8, 35. It makes a clear distinction between what it means to be a slave and what it means to be a son. John chapter 8 and verse 35. Okay, it says, Now a slave has no permanent place in the family or in the home, but a son belongs to it forever. Okay? Uh, a slave has no permanent place in the home, but a son belongs to it forever. Um, when we accept Jesus, we graduate from slave to son. Son means we are in the home permanently. When Jesus came into the world, he came as the one and only son of God. Okay? At his baptism, the father said, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. There was only one. But after Jesus raised, was raised from the dead, he became what Romans chapter 8, that was the verse I was looking for before. Romans chapter 8, verse 29, it says, he was the firstborn among Creation, uh, among many, uh, firstborn among many brethren and sistren. So when he came, he came as one. When he left, he came as the firstborn among many, one of which is me. Okay? That means the rights and privileges that apply to sons and daughters uh, now not only belong to Jesus only, but because he died and rose from the dead, it belongs to everybody who believed, including me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son? John, uh, Luke chapter 15. It's the parable that Jesus told. It's the parable of the prodigal son. That's what we have called it. The, the parable of the prodigal son. I think though it should be renamed to the parable of the prodigal sons. Because both of them were, were, were a little bit misguided. The first son, the younger son took his inheritance and wasted it. But then he came to himself, came back to his father's house, and he said, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Yeah, please make me a servant. And the father said, this is not a servant's business. This is a son. And you know the story. He put a robe on him. He welcomed him through a big celebration because the son who was lost has now come home. Hallelujah. But the older son heard that celebration and he began to ask what's going on there and they told him your son who was lost has come home and your father has thrown a party for him and now he got upset and, and he refused to come in and celebrate and the father came to him and says what's going on he says all these years i have been slaving notice the language slaving for you as a son slaving slaving for you and you didn't even give me a little goat so I could celebrate but this son of yours not my brother this son of yours wastes everything all while living and he comes back and you welcome him I'm not going to celebrate now I want you to pay attention to what the father said because this is the language that is used it's not a true story it is a parable meaning that this is a, 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 a story that is relating a, another truth about something else and in this case is talking about our relationship with the father the father tells him my son you are always with me and everything i have is yours let's dissect that just for a minute number one he tells him who he is 
my son. And because you are my son, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. This is the parable, but it's speaking a truth. In other words, this is how the father looks at his sons. Well, who are the sons? The sons are whoever believes in him. He gave the right to become sons of God. And when Jesus rose again, he, Jesus became the firstborn among many brethren, which means that it's not just one son anymore. It's many sons and daughters of which I am one because I believe. So the language that the father says to the son, the, father, the language that the father says to the daughter is, you are my son, my daughter, and everything I have is yours. Now in the parable, it's just talking about the father and whatever property and wealth and inheritance that he has. But when we're dealing with Father God, the one who with his mouth created all that there is, the Bible describes that the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to the Lord, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein. Everything I have is yours. As a slave, a slave has no permanent, permanent place in the home, but a son belongs in the home forever. Another translation says that the son belongs in the family forever. And everything the father owns is mine. My son, you are always with me. My daughter, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. Let's just let that sink in for a minute, then we'll go somewhere. Is it sinking in? Do you need more time? I know that it's sunk in when you say amen. I'm just trusting that you said amen by faith. Everything I have, hallelujah. We are no longer slaves because we believe. We are sons, we are daughters, and everything the Father has is mine, hallelujah. Okay, all right. Now having established that, that fact, um, I, I, we, we, we can get a practical picture of what this looks like by, by, by looking at the ministry of the firstborn. Okay, when Jesus came into the world, he came as a son, a son who he was, did not come as a slave, he came as a son, the firstborn of all creation. And that means he came with that same endowment of the spirit on him, that the father is always with him. Everything that the father has is, that's how Jesus came into the earth. So Jesus is a small picture of what it looks like to walk in that authority and in that power. Amen. Uh, in, in, the, in the book of Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Peter is preaching at Cornelius' house. And in one verse, he gives a, a complete summary of the entire ministry of Jesus. All right. Verse 38, it says how God anointed Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. You see that? This is a summary of, God, of Jesus' ministry in the earth. Did Jesus come as a slave? No, he came as a, a son. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Okay, he came as one son. He came in that same power. God anointed that 
Everything the father has is his. God was with him and he went around doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil. After his crucifixion, burial and resurrection, he did not come as one son. Eh? He came up with many sons. Do you remember Mary was trying to hold on to him after he rose from the dead? The first person he revealed himself to was Mary. And he told and Mary saw him. She said, he, she, he said, Mary, and she said, Rabboni, and she wanted to hold him. He said, Don't touch me. Because I have not yet gone to the Father. But notice his languages. But rather go to my brothers and tell them that I am going to my God and their God. To my Lord and their Lord. Hallelujah. He never said that before because he could not. The legal transaction had not taken place yet. There was only one son. Hallelujah. But after he rose from the dead, he became the firstborn among many brethren. So this verse, Acts 10, 38, it's a picture of what it looks like for the Son of God to walk in the earth. But after he rose again, he brought many into the family of God, many into the place of sonship, including you and me. So the Gospels conclude with the ministry of Jesus. The next book is the book of Acts, which transitions from the ministry of Jesus to the ministry of the sons and daughters. All right. So we don't see Jesus physically in the book of Acts. But we see fully the sons and daughters at work. All right. Because just like God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power, Acts chapter 2 says the same Holy Spirit, the Spirit that came on Jesus, that same Holy Spirit came on the, the 120 in the upper room. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and with power. And, 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 and by the time we get to Acts chapter 3, we see the first, first documented, recorded miracle. The same thing that Jesus was doing when he was on the earth walking as a son. And so what I want us to do is just camp out in this, in this miracle of Acts chapter 3. Because this is not Jesus, the Son of God. This is Peter, the Son of God. Not the firstborn, but the secondborn. Or not secondborn, maybe nextborn. I, I don't know what, who, what number he was. He was in line somewhere. But as a son, he had the same goods that Jesus had. Because as a son, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. Hallelujah. Let us say I'm in BL. All right. So I want us just to do a deep dive into this, this story of Peter in Acts chapter, Acts chapter 3. The Bible says that they were coming to the gate called Beautiful at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. Okay. And Jesus saw someone, a lame man, begging for alms. The man was expecting them uh, to give, uh, expecting them to give him something. Verse number 6, Acts chapter 3 and verse number 6. It says... Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Uh, what I want us to study is how awake Peter was, not to Maranatha, get me out of here, but to how awake he was to who he was and what he had. Because I believe that if we can capture his awakeness, we can walk in his power. Um, the first thing that Peter tells the, 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 the lame man, is, he says, silver and gold I do not have. Silver and gold is currency. The power of silver and gold is that you can take silver and gold and exchange it for things. Money, 
You can exchange money for things. You can exchange money for things. Amen? Okay. It's currency. Um, and based on how much money you have, it determines what we call purchasing power. And based on your purchasing power, it will determine your confidence. All right? If you go into a store with five bur in your pocket, okay? You will not have the confidence of a man who has a pocket full of money. Come on, somebody. All right? The man who has a pocket full of money, he is Lord of that store. Come on. Nothing in that store is above him. Okay, maybe not you. Like if I go in the store and I've been blessed, hallelujah, it changes the way I walk. Not because of me, not because of what's in the store, but because I know something that nobody else knows. I know what I have. Nothing in this store. My purchasing power has given me confidence. Are you following what I'm saying? It's not my muscles that's giving me confidence. It's not my appearance. It's not my history. It's that I know what I have in my pocket and I know something that nobody else knows. I have purchasing power. Purchasing power equals confidence. Hallelujah. But on that day, the Bible says that Peter said to the man, silver and gold, I do not have. Okay? Now, if it was a normal person, I'm sorry, silver and gold, I do not. And he walks on. But he stops and he says, but what I do have, I give to you. Which means that he was awake to the fact that he was in possession of something. All right? He had it in him. It's one thing to have it. It's another thing to be awake to it. He was awake to what he was carrying. Okay? And just like silver and gold he realized that the goods that he was carrying from heaven was also like a currency he realized that what he was carrying it could also be exchanged for things he realized and he was awake to the fact that what he was carrying carried purchasing power and the purchasing power created in him confidence he he he, he had confidence in other words nothing in this world is above me Hallelujah. Are you feeling like that spirit that, that Peter was carrying? Praise the Lord. Uh, so I think the greater miracle is not the man getting up and walking. I think the greater miracle is being awake. Because if he was not awake, there would never be the miracle. You see, once you go into the store, what you come out with, if you have a pocket full of money, when you go into the store, what you come out with is your own choice. Because you have the money. And you have the authority. You can do, you can come out of that store. What you come out with is up to you. It's not even up to God. It's up to you. Are you following what I'm saying? Hallelujah. He was aware that he was carrying something. Hallelujah. And he said to the man in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. We have purchasing power. Hallelujah. We have confidence. I just remind you of a few things. Romans 8, 11 tells us that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, it's up there in heaven. And if you fast and pray long enough and hard enough, God will think about giving it to you. I'm just reading the scriptures, Romans 8, 11. Eh? No, it doesn't say that. It says the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living in you. 
1 John 4, 4 says that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. So these are facts. These are, these are, these are the reality of what God gave to us and the, the, the portion that falls, that falls to sons. Hallelujah. We have a purchasing power. Hallelujah. And there is a confidence that comes with purchasing power. Peter was awake to what he had and he chose to use what he had on that day. And it worked a miracle. Hallelujah. He always had the goods, but that day he chose to be awake to it and he chose to use it and he chose to utilize it. Are you following what I'm saying? And because he chose to use it, hallelujah, a miracle happened. Hallelujah. Uh, just like Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, now, uh, now when, when, when I say this, let me just be clear. Um, I want to be clear that when I'm talking about this, this reality of what we have in Christ, this is more than feeling. I'm not talking, do you feel like the child of God? Do you feel like you have... No, this is not about feeling. Okay? This is about a reality and truth. We build our faith not on what we feel. We build our faith on the truth. Um, if I deposit a million bur in, into Saleh's bank account, okay? Saleh has just become a millionaire. All right? But if he's sitting by the window and the wind blows in and it, and it, and it hits him and he gets cold, okay? He'll say, man, today I feel cold. I don't think I'm a millionaire. That doesn't even make sense. Right? Because what you're feeling has nothing to do with what's been deposited in your bank account. Whether you feel it or not, you are a millionaire. Okay? This is not about feeling. This is about sonship and the truth that God raised His Son, Jesus Christ, from the dead. And how He became the firstborn among many brethren. And when He rose up as one son, He brought many sons and daughters with Him into the kingdom. And the same anointing, the same power, the same work that was at work with Him, going around doing good, is also given to sons and daughters. Hallelujah. Whether you feel like it or not. Purchasing power is not about feeling. It's about confidence in knowing what you know. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. What I'm trying to, to, to do today is awaken you to the reality that you are just no different than Peter. It's funny, like Peter yesterday, he was a mess, wasn't he? I mean, by, by, by scripture's account, he was somebody I would not like to, to, to you know, be close to a room with. I went to boarding school. I used to have a crazy roommate. Like very, very crazy. Nobody wanted to be with him. Like he was, he had like these nightmares at night and he would beat people in, in his sleep. So literally in the dorm, when everybody went to bed, everybody locked their door in the whole dorm because of this blessed roommate. And they would just leave me to fend for myself. I think I had a Peter as a roommate. Okay, because Peter is crazy. One day he's cursing, one day he's cutting off ears, one day he's trying to tell Jesus off. One day, I mean, he's just the, the mess of mess of mess. He does not qualify to be a son of God. Okay, based on his track record, he deserves a severe, severe spanking right on the back, rear end, where it counts. Okay, he deserves it, would be a, a blessing for, for Peter to be coming into the level of a, of a slave. But when Jesus rose from the dead, based on what he did and not what Peter did, hallelujah, Jesus became the firstborn among many brethren, of which Peter, the dysfunctional Peter, was one. 
So because of his faith in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, Peter is now walking in the same anointing and same power. It almost looks like Jesus never left. Because he was the firstborn among many brethren. Hallelujah. But Peter, Peter, hallelujah. The difference between Peter and me today is that it's not that he, I did better than Peter or he did better than me. The only difference is that he was awake. He was not sleeping. Hallelujah. He was not sleeping on that day and he chose to engage his purchasing power. And when he did so, power was released. Praise the name of the Lord. And what I want to tell somebody today is that in this last day, it's time to wake up not only to the fact that Jesus is coming, but wake up also to the fact that Christ lives in you right now. That you have the same rights and privileges as the Son of God. He was the firstborn, but you are the nextborn. Hallelujah. And the same power that raised him from the dead is living in you, whether you feel it or not. Hallelujah. It is a reality. It is a truth. Notice the language that he said. He said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus. I know we use this name quite a bit, in the name of Jesus. Um, but I want to really break down what it means when we say in the name. Like I know when we pray for, just about every time we pray, we always pray in the name of Jesus. But there's a difference between praying in the name of Jesus and praying in the name of Jesus. All right. When we are praying in the name of Jesus, let us be mindful that we're not praying um, uh, in a manner that, that, Father, because you've honored Jesus, for his sake, answer my prayer. You see? That's not what we're praying. In, in Amarinya, we say, you know, for the sake of your name, please answer my prayer. Okay? That is not what it means when we pray in the name of Jesus. When we pray in the name of Jesus, what we are doing is we are actually praying in the name of Jesus. Meaning that Jesus is not here, but he has given me purchasing power. So I don't come in my own name. I am praying as if Jesus was right here. In John 16, Jesus said these words, up until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. But after now, from now on, you will ask in my name and you will receive and your joy will be complete. The only reason Jesus is not here is because we are. We are his body. We are his sons and daughters. Everything the Father has. Is, so when we raise the name of Jesus, we are, we are his representatives. We are his power of attorney. He has given us a full representation of himself in the earth and he trusted us with that responsibility. So when we say in the name of Jesus, it's not, no, 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 it is, or for the sake of your name, remember me. No, it is in <clears throat> confidence now. Hmm? Purchasing power. Hmm? I have a purchasing power. I have a, 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 a pocket full of resources here that came from the Father. Everything that the Father has is mine in the name of Jesus. And when Peter said that power was released, because God listens to Jesus. He may not listen to you, but he will listen to Jesus. And you come in his name. It's a name that every knee bows. And every tongue confess, will confess that his name, he is Lord. It's a name that causes demons to tremble. It's a name that releases power to change things, to work things. All right. This name is a name that works. All right. But if we are not awake to it, it will be ours and we won't use it. We'll have a pocket full of money. We'll go into the store. 
and walk out empty-handed, even though everything in the store is subject to us. Behold, I have given you power to trample on serpents and scorpions. Nothing shall by any means harm you. Nothing is above you because he rose from the dead. Hallelujah. Whether you feel it or not, he's here. Whether you feel it or not, everything the Father has is yours. Whether you feel it or not, you have come in his name. When we go to the store, we're going to come out of this store today with some goods. Someone is going to walk out of the store today with some peace today. Somebody's going to walk out of the store with some healing today. Somebody's going to walk out of the store with a breakthrough. Something is going to shift today. Yeah, this is more than feeling. This is reality, right? Uh, as Pentecostals, many times we're known by our emotion. And, and it's good to be, you know, uh, emotional. But and, and I think, you know, the truth is when the love of God touches your heart, okay, the, the, the natural response is emotion. But what I'm talking about today is more than emotion. It's emotional, but it's more than emotion, okay? Because this is a reality. When you conduct transactions in the store, you don't cry, weep, jump around. You know, if they see you doing that in the store, they'll call the police. All right. But when you go to the store, you just carry out your transaction. You bring your goods, you give the money and you walk out. You don't shout. Okay. I mean, it's good, you know, to pray and to shout. There's times for that. And there's time. There's times for celebration unto God. Let me put it. There's time for celebration unto God. And there's time for a business transaction. Okay. There's two different things. You don't come in for a business transaction. Peter didn't say that when he came to the lame man. He just came with a confidence. Purchasing power. And he just released that transaction. Put what I have, give I thee. Finish. And the man... <laughs> hallelujah. So if we are awake, hallelujah, we are actually resting. Just signing checks. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. So today we leave the store with some victory. Transaction. We can celebrate the goodness of God and shout for how great it is, but just conduct some transactions today. Praise the Lord. My son, my daughter, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. It's already deposited. It's yours. A slave has no place in, a, in the home. But a son belongs to the home forever. He's family. Hallelujah. You're forever part of the family. Purchasing power. Purchasing power. 